This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. All right, well, uh, we'll have to stand by for that one, eh? Yeah. What are we standing by for? Cannoli! Ah, yes. We got the cannoli. We got the goods in front of us. Uh, and we're just trying to work out how to photograph it. Which <laughs> and isn't where this come. a modern day problem? How are we uh, going to make this look good on social media? How are we going to frame it? Yeah. Are you happy with the plate? <laughs> So we had a little bit of art directing uh, meeting. The reason why, good listener, dear, dear listeners, yes. is the fact that we have Giorgio. Giorgio Linguanti. Yes. From That's Amore. Hey, thumbs, thumbs up. up. From okay. the green room, yes. Pronunciation, not bad. Yeah. I might have got an eight and a half, <laughs> twice, which is pretty good, because usually I'm around about a four. Yeah. People usually, Italians, just bring their hands up to doing? their ears. <laughs> oh, you oh, you hurt my ears. Oh, my God. Um, that's the Moro Cheese. Um, uh, Giorgio, the uh, producer of uh, Fresh Curd. Yes. For many, 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 many years now. Um, and in a way, he revolutionized the uh, Italian fresh cheese industry mm. in this town, in this state, dare I say it. Mm. I'm saying it. You've said it. Um, Yeah, so he's going to be on the show, and we're working backwards. We've got an interview with John. Yes, from the market. Who was very, very feisty, but I managed to get a smile out of him and and a laugh by the end. Took took you 15 minutes, but you got there. I know, about four and a half, and I got a a good grin out of him. Had he not had his coffee or something? Poor John. Uh, Yeah, well, anyway, tune in for that. We talked about the uh, chimiterape, or rape. Mm-hmm. Weeds. Oh. You know, those Italians, they just cook weeds. <laughs> yeah, right. They're delicious. Yeah. Anyway, we have a bit of a chat about that. Uh, and uh, we're going to be having a chat to Rosemary Stanton in a moment, talking about uh, Health Star ratings, algorithms, and... It's been in the news again, <sighs> which is which is good, because um, we've been banging, not we, we we've rung up you. Dr. Rosemary Stanton many times over the last few years. I mean, Innumerably. She's, she's been banging this drum for a good number of years, so it's good to see um, it finally make mainstream news again that maybe the health star ratings aren't telling it's the whole telling story. Work. It does. Anyway, we're going to find out about that uh, in a bit. Mm. First of all, we must salute the scientists and say, wow, good get. Yeah, with uh, Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. There aren't too many world-famous scientists in the world. She's one of them. And very interesting to hear uh, Dr. Shane interview, uh, I assume, Dr. Jane. Um, Dr. Jane. And even brought up uh, Great Barrier Reef and Adani, which is good to hear. Uh, isn't that an interesting thing that you say? That, say that again. There's not that many people world of science. famous scientists who are sort of household names. And I'd argue yeah. Jane Goodall certainly is. It's funny. I, I, I was, I'm just trying to think of other ones. I was wandering around the um, station getting the coffees ready as we do. And the, the big secret, you and I, Cam, is we don't, we don't often get a chance to listen to the scientists because we're, True. we're in here doing and our we're, thing. And we're, we're chatting. So I popped out of the studio. I thought, oh, I recognise that voice. Isn't that Jane Goodall? And there it was. Yeah. So, yeah, good get. And if you uh, want to go back, you can listen online. Radio on demand. On demand. Demand it. Yes. Don't request it. <laughs> Demand. It seems a little bit violent. Radio, on, Radio Re- on Demand. Radio On Request has a nice ring to it. I don't know why we didn't use that. Yes. Or Requested Radio. I'll bring that up in a volunteer. Sounds meeting. English, doesn't it? It sounds <laughs> like... Sounds very... I don't know, you know. I live in Kent. And we're requesting... <laughs> requesting. You know, just going off to the East Horsley Golf Course and I want to request some radio while my Bentley warms up. Uh, if you're wondering what you're listening to, it is Eat It here on 3 Triple R FM. 
broadcasting to you from the glorious corner of Blythe and Nicholson Street in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. Hey, while we're doing housekeeping, because we're talking about the station, I'll just quickly... Looking I, forward. Shall I get the looking forward uh, done? So uh, we're, not, we're not here next week, Cam. Yeah, we're not. Be- um, because Neil Morris and Paul Gorry are going to be winging it like you wouldn't believe next door. It's a two-hour episode of Still Here. So obviously Still Here is the excellent show that follows us here. Normally at one o'clock mm-hmm. next week, they're doing a two-hour live performance from the performance space uh, because of NADOC Week. And NADOC Week's theme this year is Voice Treaty Truth. Um, and if you're a Triple R subscriber or a First Australian, you are invited to come and see it live. you just got to... You've e- got to register, don't you? Yeah, you've got to email. Yeah. So just jump on the station website. Um, and that's why we won't be here next week. But, uh, no, we shall not. But Neil and Paul will be doing an excellent two-hour broadcast. So, yeah, there it is. It is 12.07 here on 3 Triple RFM. <coughs> I should um, mention two things that happened on this day. Mm-hmm. Um, top and tail, gosh. 1967. Yes. Jane Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we describe well, she was a sex symbol, I suppose, wasn't she? Actress, sex symbol, mm. incredible woman, uh, beauty, serial beauty pageant uh, entrant, oh. shall we say. Mm. But apparently there was one which she didn't do, didn't want to be crowned Miss Roqueford because she said it <laughs> sounded a bit strange. Yes. So she said, nope. I could be Miss Collard Green or Miss <laughs> Turnip. But not Miss Roqueford. Not Miss Roqueford. And uh, also in 2007, and it'll be interesting to see where people line up on mm. this one, because either you're for or you're against it. If you see great value in some of these fine productions, mm. or you could just poo-poo them. Mm. In 2007... Yes. Ratatouille opens, which was about a cooking rat. Yes. Who, uh, who managed to get great fame in, uh, in cooking in Paris. And the chef character was based on, uh, Bacuse. Fam- yes, Paul Bacuse. Bacuse. Perhaps the most famous French chef of them all in this generation. And one of the great things, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a Pixar devotee. Yes, we were talking some, about this off Some air. are better than others, I, I will admit. <laughs> But there is this scene in the movie, and it's worth seeing it actually for mm. it, Matt. Um, there is the the feared critic whose name is Anton Ego. Mm. And Anton Ego tries a bit of the dish that is cooked by the rat, mm. and it's ratatouille. And there is this beautiful storyboarding, probably the best way to say it, mm. which shows him just eating this and then being transported back to when he was six years old and eating the... Ratatouille. It's worth seeing the movie for that. Right. In fact, I'm going to set that as homework. <laughs> for me or for everyone? No, nah, for you. Everyone, no, everyone listening, you have to now go and watch Ratatouille. That was a Matt Stedman deflection yes. that you just saw there. I shall not do that. I'm pretty good at it after all these years. <coughs> yeah, not bad. I still haven't cooked a kohlrabi either. You gave me that like 10 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so like almost like a martial arts move. <sighs> I will use your energy, deflect it off and put it out there. Um... What else did I have? Was there anything else? Oh, yeah, oh, congee. You've, you've, you've persisting with the congee. So this came up, uh, you sort of got into your congee mood this winter thanks to Shannon Martinez. Yes. Uh, who presented it as one of her many... Her $4, $4 meals, $4 meals for meal Sacred Heart. Um, and you took that ball and you took the congee ball and you've run with the congee ball. And using the Gabby Gates dictum... Yes, where you've got to cook everything at least 
three times. Yeah, Gabriel Gattay, who uh, his, his thing about um, mastering a recipe is about you do it once. Yes. And you freak out. <laughs> yes, and it may not taste as good. And uh, then you do it twice to get it all set, and the third time you do that, that recipe is yours. It's in your repertoire. Yes. And I think I've just about nailed it now. And um, congees are awesome. The one you showed me on Instagram looked really good. Was that was the one you did what two days ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing that really amazes me about it is that you use about a what a liter and a half of cooking liquid. Mm. Get the best stock you can. Make your own if you got time. Uh huh. And to that, a mere half a cup of rice. Yes, a half a cup of rice is enough for it to expand and break mm. down, and then it's a matter of doing the flavoring. But um, as a winter thing, just to warm yourself up and give you some energy and all that sort of stuff, it is awesome. Probably good sort of season to be thinking about that because yesterday was bloody awful in Melbourne, wasn't it? Gloomy, windy and rainy. Yes, all so, of the above. Yes. All of the above. And yet uh, today, I would actually say, is a great day for a midwinter picnic. Yes. Actually, it's not quite mild out there. <coughs> My magic watch tells me it's 13 degrees, but in the sun it feels a bit warmer. Hmm. Hmm. So if you can get a place out of the sun... Actually, it'd be a good idea. Go to the market, get some stuff, or yep. wherever you get stuff. Yep. And you don't need much. I reckon you need about three things for a picnic. Mm. A good loaf of bread. Yep. Maybe some cheese. Yep. Uh, you know, a few other little antipasto-y sort of things. You've forgotten the wine. Oh, well, yeah, that's oh, the food. <laughs> I was talking about the food. Yeah, right. Yeah. 12.12 <laughs> here on 3 Triple RFM. You're listening to Eat It. Thanks for joining us. Hope you are having a great day doing whatever you are doing. It's time to chat to Rosemary Stanton. But before that, Mm. this must happen. Yes. Twelve thirteen. it is indeed on 3 Triple RFM on a sparkly kind of winter's day here in Melbourne. We welcome to your headphones, your earphones or your speakers, Rosemary Stanton. A very, very good afternoon to you. Hi, Cam. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying the, the fact that we had a bit of rain. Yeah, we were talking about that um, before, that uh, the, yeah. the winter rains have uh, made things look green again, which is kind of good. Yep. And, uh, no, it's very good for us because we, we actually generate all our own power. We have a little hydro system, and although it's, still, it's been working in the drought, it's um, been down a, a little bit, so I've had to be slightly more careful than usual. And, um, Hydroelectric? Creeks are flowing beautifully now, so well, do you not live, connected to the grid. Do you so live we, next to a large river or something? No, we have a small um, couple of small streams, creeks that come down, but they come down quite steeply. We live on the side of a hill. Yeah. And um, we've got a property here, but um, it's mainly just rainforest. But we can. We discovered years ago when we were building the house um, that we could actually generate the power from there and plus some solar panels, and we didn't have to be connected to the grid. So we've been grid-free for 25 years here, but we do like it when it rains. Well, I just saw Matt Steadman just look at me with a big grin and a thumbs up and go, wow, good on you, Rosemary. Yeah, no, we supply a couple of other places. That the people just use them for weekenders, but we supply them with hydropower as well and, and water from these little creeks, so they're wow. always keen to have some rain. That's the first time I've ever heard of hydropower next to a little stream, because usually yeah, you think about it, I just think it's, the, you know, sort of big things and, you know, I don't know, Martin Ferguson pointing with a, you know, a hard hat on somewhere going, well, we're going to do this and divert rivers, but it can be quite small scale as well. 
Yeah, we originally got our uh, equipment from Nimbin. Uh, oh, later, I think, after that sort of gave out and no one seemed to know how to fix it anymore, we got one from New Ze- fixed it up with New Zealand. So we've got a couple of little turbines, um, mm. one for the other three houses and one for us, and um, that works well. It means that if your solar's out because the... As they say, the sun doesn't shine. Um, then at least the water's flowing. You know, if it's raining, you're fine. So. Wow, best of both worlds. Um, there was supposed to be a bit of a party happening on in Canberra where the uh, the federal government for uh, ministerial form on food regulation was supposed to meet, but they didn't have their party. Oh, look, this has been happening so often. In 2011, we had a big report the Blewett Report on what needed to happen for food labelling. I remember that. And we're up to 2019, and one of those things, of course, was that added sugar should be on the food label, that trans fat should be on the food label. Mm. The health ministers get to make this decision, and they've been umming and ahhing about these matters since 2011, and they can't come to a decision, and even this time for the Health Star rating system, they were meant to be looking at that, which included this information that added sugars should be uh, taken much, into much greater consideration in the in the Health Star rating and should be on food labels, and they've put it off. Just, uh, some of us get a bit... Um, a little bit tired of this constant procrastination and, and we know why it happens because this lobbying happens from some of the food companies that basically don't want to put the amount of sugar that's in products on the label. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's fairly understandable. If you look at sugar's a very, very cheap product and if you're buying, let's say you're buying one of those instant porridges, mm. uh, they can cost five times as much as buying straight oats and then you discover that the product may have twenty five, thirty percent sugar and it's cheap it should be cheap as chips and it's five times the price. So they don't want to tell us the amount of added sugar and I mean even if I'm con- obviously concerned about the health aspects of the amount of added sugar, but I totally understand Choice, the Consumers Association, who are all equally concerned with the fact that people may be getting ripped off and they've got no way of knowing because there's this refusal and constant sort of procrastination about putting the added sugar on the label. Sugar is a great bulking agent, isn't it, in, uh, well, in it recipes is, and, and things like that? I mean, as I've mentioned to you before, I don't object to people having any sugar, but it'd be nice if we knew how much we were having, because frankly, when it comes to breakfast cereals, if most people could see that some of the breakfast cereals are one-third sugar, they might uh, make a different choice. I mean, if your kid put, uh, you know, if you had a bowl of, you know, one of the low-sugar cereals and they added a third as much sugar to it, you'd have a fit. But when it's already in the product, you don't know. Well, it's the same as... doesn't tell you, it's a problem. I was going to say it'd be the same as, um, say, a a young child just going and getting a cup of tea and then putting six or seven teaspoons of sugar in it. Yeah, that's the equivalent. That's a very good um, sort of equivalent. You go, what what are you doing, Scotty? (laughs) Scotty, stop. (laughs) That's just crazy. But it all comes down um, to for consumers, and this is the thing we've been speaking of, and it seems this is the thing that is anathema to the government in that consumers making informed decisions. Yeah, well, you can't make an informed decision about foods if you're not given the information to do that. No, um, we're kept in the very, dark. very, very difficult. Yeah, so we need that information. And instead, ever since we've had, well, you and I have talked about the health star thing many times. And whereas in theory it may, may be useful, in practice um, I don't think it is particularly useful because the way it's been formulated gives some products positive points for things that aren't really all that positive in the diet. 
and and the negative points can be sort of overcome. So mm. if you stick a bit of extra fibre, a bit of extra protein in your food, nothing wrong with protein, but we really don't have a, a protein deficiency in Australia. Uh, but if you stick a bit of extra protein, a bit of extra fibre, then that can sort of make up for the fact that you've added a lot of sugar or salt or the wrong kind of fat. So it's just... It just needs to be fixed up, and they've had it several inquiries. We keep saying that last year, and and we still haven't got the results of that yet. Um, I actually think that these things should always be decided by people without a vested interest in the result. Oh, I mean, good luck with that. that. Yeah. So, sorry, sorry, Rosemary. I just, I just had to. I mean, wow, the courageous uh, view there, uh, uh, Minister. <laughs> Uh, that's just that's just not going to happen. Well, it, I, but is oh god, I've just become so cynical. Um, well, is, is, there, is there a way that we can make that not happen? That's well, I, I actually have to apologise for that. And mm. I mean, I, I've sort of said I won't retire till I get some of these things, and I'm 75 already. So you know, how much longer am I going to keep working? Oh, Rosemary, <laughs> yeah, don't don't go. We we need you. But it was just a, a, interesting. Just as a little aside, we have. Uh, uh, an Italian cheesemaker who's coming in later on in the show, and I invite you to listen in on the web if you like to for the end of the show. But Giorgio was saying, oh, this whole health star thing's crazy because it doesn't, one thing it doesn't take into consideration is whether a food is fresh or processed or how much processing has taken place. Frozen, fresh, you know. Yeah, I think that's actually quite important. I mean, Brazil started a, a, a system of having their, their food guidelines based on sort of really sensible things like um, try and prepare most foods yourself from scratch. Mm. They've sort of labelled foods as minimally processed or unprocessed or ultra-processed and they've got definitions that go with all of these things and they basically say, look, you know, don't eat very many of these ultra-processed foods, keep to the basics. And the basics would include, the, the sort of minimally processed products would include things like bread that hasn't got a stack of additives in it, you know, bread that's made out of flour and yeast and water and a bit of salt. Mm -hmm. It would include things like cheese. It would include, you know, basic sort of foods. Um, but instead, we have all these highly ultra-processed foods, which are now contributing, well, about 40% of kids' calories. And, you know, I've said this before, and about 35% of adults' calories. It's just too much. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a few of those things, but it's just too many of these sorts of products and it's we've ended up with this crazy diet so that we now have you know 70 percent of men overweight um, or obese and, and nearly 60 percent of women in the same category and kids it's i mean you know i don't think everyone has to look like a rake but we just have gone too far in the wrong direction with all of these things and so many of them are actually related to what we eat so we do need to know a bit more about what to eat we need to know how to cook we need to know where our food comes from and it's really good if people can even know how it's made, so what has to be added to it. But for that, we need good labelling. Oh. And uh, so when... Sorry. Uh, so when are our uh, esteemed health ministers meeting again to kick this can down the road a bit? Uh, they said they'll discuss it out of session, and that can mean anything, I'm afraid, because they only meet every six months. So, um, you know, another six months goes by. Oh, I'm just glad I think we... That Yes. I suspect that the report um, on the health star rating will have to come out before that because that's been done by an external firm. And, you know, they do at least put out the report, although the, the, what comes from that 
then has to pass the health ministers and pass the lobbyists and it never gets through all of those things. But um, I think that report is going to be ready. I don't know, maybe we can use a freedom of freedom of information thing and, and sort of have a look at it. I mean, so often we have to do that. Some of us wrote a, a paper on a, a national nutrition policy for Australia and yep. for the health department were asked to do it. And it wasn't available. And somebody from one of the universities then did a... Um, had to pay a lot of money to sort of ensure that he got a copy of it. And after that, the health department said, oh, OK, well, if someone's going to pay to have this sort of uh, information released, we'll release the paper. But by that time, it was a couple of years old and, you know, somewhat out of date. But how ridiculous that we have these things kept secret. I mean, goodness me, who pays these people's salaries? We do. It just <laughs> goes on and on. You know what we need to do, Rosemary? Intervention. Uh, I think so. Yes, I'm having a good rant this morning, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it, well, it's good, but we've got to work out a way like your uh, hydroelectric system outside the place to be able to flow around the rock. There is a big rock in front of us, and we just keep trying to find a way to go around it. Well, I think we have to keep doing that. Yeah, we have to do well, with all sorts of things. With our waste disposal, with our food supply. Um, yeah, we've got to sort of, obviously, with our energy supply. Well, Otherwise, we're not going to leave much for our, well, in my case, it's children and grandchildren. But, um, you know, and I, I t see some of my grandchildren who are actually very worried about their future because they think mm -hmm. that my generation mm -hmm. has sort of taken all the money and wrecked everything. And we have, you know. I mean, we've got to, we've got to make amends. They're, they're uh, not dumb, you know. And we've got to doing things properly. As I said, they're not, they're not dumb. They see what's going on. They yeah, really do. You know, I've got great faith in, in some of the younger people who are really... Um, you know, sort of doing great things and people say, oh, it's only because some silly activist adult is sort of forcing them to do it. Well, not the ones I'm watching. No, um, no it's, it all comes from within. They know what they're talking about, yeah. Agreed, Rosemary. Uh, it actually gives us a bit of hope for the future. Enjoy the rest of the day, Rosemary. As always, it's great that you are there fighting the fight for us. Thank you. Well, I won't stop, Cam. I'll keep going, you Go know, girl. for a bit longer yet. <laughs> Thank you, Rosemary. My pleasure. Thanks, Cam. There's Rosemary Stanton there. God, it's good to know she's around. The unstoppable, Dr. The un Rosemary Stanton. And the unsullied, yes. I think you'd have to say. It is 12.25 uh, here. We're going to be getting to John at the market. But uh, first we were scratching our heads as to what we should play. Yes. Matt said maybe we should play a little bit of Dandy Warhols. That album's 20 years old. Almost. And that hurt us too much, I think. <laughs> yeah. Plus the songs were a little bit long. So we thought we'd resort to something else that uh, came out a while ago, but it's a bit of fun, isn't it? I have to thank John because he's just given me a little, little cup of coffee and a beautiful, beautiful lusterware cup what what is the story with this it's um it's like a little demi tasse it's pink on the outside and then that's purple mate is it okay purple all right we'll say violet all right I, yeah, it right. is more violet i'll it tell is you more violet. Um, thank you thank you John. when when the japanese started making um cups and saucers and sending them to australia in the 60s and 70s um they did a very very good job they were pretty and they were durable and these little coffee cups uh, came in about three or four different colours mm. with a beautiful golden uh, like colour inside. It's like molten gold inside. Yes, it is. Lusty. And um, when you drank coffee out of them, you felt regal. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> there's only one left, and it's worth a lot of money. But because no one at home appreciates it, 
I brought it to work and I appreciate it, and so does Cameron. I do indeed. I do indeed, and I thank you very, very much for that. It is a beautiful day. Yeah, as um, usual, you came when the sun's out. Oh, it is. It's gorgeous. You want to stand in it for a I've, few minutes. I've had about a 75 80% success rate, I think, if, <laughs> if, we're, if we're really right. It was pretty shocking the other way, and you were, you were giving me a hard time about that, so that is fair enough. We've reached an interesting milestone in the fact, or about to reach an interesting milestone. It's the last day of June. Yeah. It's um, crazy. It's been a whirlwind day, yeah, so far since Christmas until now. We've blinked and it's gone. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's been good. Life's grand. We've got through the, uh, the winter solstice, so the days are getting longer. Um, although it's going to take a while for the, the earth to catch up or the, the ground to catch up with getting warm. It's weird, isn't it? It's like, okay, there's a, it's, what's that, a northerly breeze? Yeah, there's, there's a, little a little bit, bit of, warmth. of a lick in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do we got, what do we around, got? around the joint? You're well, chopping we, up celery. And you brought out this beautiful bunch of rapa. Oh, rapa, mate. Rapa de chime de rapa. That's all right. Um, now, th- this is what we call uh, Italian broccoli in English. And um, it looks like the turnip leaves um, and another Chinese vegetable as well because the Chinese buy it, uh, even though they know it's not it's Italian, not Chinese, they know how to deal with it. Um, it'll do. Yeah, really, if you look at it, it looks like a weed, um, even like a milk thistle, if a lot of people know what milk thistle is, but a lot don't anymore. Um, now, these have got long stems. We normally say peel a stem back because there's a lot of flesh, like the artichoke. Mm. There's a lot of flesh in the stem. Um, there are two ways to cook this. You can do it stufato, which means you throw it into a fry pan and you choke it. You, you fry garlic and oil. Did and you then say you choke it? Yeah, that's a stufato. Um, well, yeah, you could say that's a, a very literal, tra- liberal translation. Um, but if you do it like that, if you do the commercial one, it's not so strong. But if you do the homegrown stuff, it brings out the bitterness in it, mm. which is good for the gut. I like to boil it in a lot of uh, water, um, and my PE instructor... Well, you were going to say, have it next to a steak. Yeah, have it next to a steak. Yeah. My PE instructor used to say, throw out the cabbage or the rapa and boil the rice in the water and drink the water as well. Mm. But we uh, then put a little bit of olive oil and maybe a dash of vinegar or lemon juice and serve it beside a steak, and it's beautiful. Not only does it taste good, but as usual, it's good for you as well. I took this home, it was about a month ago, I think, when this was, maybe even a month and a half. Yeah, did it. Uh, choked it, I choked it. Um, with uh, the garlic and a little bit of chilli, because I thought, like yeah. a southern Italian, it was just delicious. It's refreshing as well. Oh, when you eat God. it, you feel like you haven't eaten something heavy, mm. and it is refreshing, it's good for the gut, um, and you're not eating a lot of heavy stuff like, you know, wheat and products. And, and um, yeah, it makes you feel good, too, to have something different. You know, it breaks the monotony of life. Is it, it's really only the market we see. I've never seen this in a supermarket. Mm, probably not, because no. it is a very delicate thing. And um, oh, right. also, you have to have the clientele for it. Yeah. But a lot of the fruit shops, if their customers say, hey, have you got it? They'll go and find some mm. and bring it in. Um, when I see that it's worth having, uh, I, I will buy it. Unfortunately, this week's been a slow week and we didn't sell out because normally by Saturday lunchtime it's all gone, mm. but there's a little bit there. Oh, you so, might have to come down and see John today and see if uh, he'll sell you some rape. 
Yeah, why not? Because if I don't sell it, I know where it's going. It's going to go home and um, we'll eat some fresh and we'll freeze some because mm. we'll blanch it and freeze it. And um, when you're in a hurry, you bring it out, fry a bit of tomato, chuck it in a pan with a tomato and it comes up beautiful. I'm going to take some of this home. Uh, tomato City is the name of the place. Uh, there's a big display you've got here. Yeah, as usual, we're blessed. Uh, we've still got the last of the Doncaster tomatoes. They're showing the cold because there's minor blemishes on the skin. We'll have another weeks of supply coming in and then we'll be jumping over to uh, the tomatoes from South Australia. This is a lovely Murray Bridge. Murray Bridge, um, yeah. It still looks a little bit under? green and underripe, but yeah. it will colour up. If you put that on a platter in the kitchen, it'll come bright red, be full of juice and full of sugar and make a lovely salad or... You could even shove it beside a roast, even half green, and come up a treat. Or brekkie, fry yeah, that up. That's very good, much good, so. good one to fry up. And with then a... We've got all the heirlooms, as usual. We've got the cherry truss, we've got black Russians, we've got rouge de marmande, um, and, and uh, we haven't got the yellow ones yet, but they're coming, I believe. And mm. uh, maybe we'll have some pink ones as well. Ah, it's a rainbow out there. Oh, um, I've got to say, those little ones that you have en branche. Uh, that are still on the stems. It's just a fancy way of saying, on the stems, mate. Um, on branch, you like that? I got you, I got you laughing. Yeah. This is good. It's, I come and see John. Sometimes he's a little bit grumpy, but I always get him to smile. This yeah, is good. Well, I'm laughing not at you, but laughing at, at the beautiful terms that there are that really make you think about food and, and how things are. You were laughing at me. Come on, tell me. No, He's a wanker. April. April, but what I was going to say is uh, those things are, are great if you uh, put them in an oven um, uh, just to just to give them a little bit of concentrated heat and they sort of split a little bit and, the, and all those sugars get um, concentrated, I think, and that's just a beautiful thing to do to them. Yeah, it is. Uh, but Joey got his mum to do it and he loved it and, mm. and the others loved it as well, but... Not my cup of tea. I really like something a little bit sweeter. Mm. Um, I'll eat them, um, you know, in a fry pan with an egg and that, but in the oven, uh, they didn't do it for me. But a lot of people do it. it. It comes up. It looks beautiful and it tastes good. All right. I'll have it. This just crazy thought. If you bring that out and it's just on the plate, drizzle a little bit of balsamic vinegar on top of it. Maybe I'll try that. That might tame that, it That'll just give it up. Because I found the acid ac- accentuated for me. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's but, the go. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, John has uh, requested... A punnet of some of the biggest king mushrooms I think I've ever seen. I've never seen a king what's, oyster. Uh, what's, a, what's a king mushroom, first of all, just to get people to... Uh, this is a king oyster mushroom, and they just look like um, a fat blob, excuse the French. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> uh, with it's, a little it, brown it, head on the top. It's usually, with a, with a mushroom, it's all about the cap, you know, yeah. the, the thing on the top, but not this the stem. Is not. This is all about the stem. Now, and before, we only got them from Korea. And they were in the little packets, and um, they looked beautiful, but I was always worried because being a um, a, a fun guy, is that the right way to say it, or a fungus? Yeah. Um, oh, a I mushroom. think you're talking about yourself being a yeah, fun guy. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. You're a fun guy. <laughs> um, but worried a little bit about the travel time because things like that, you'd rather eat them fresh. Yep. Um, and miles. If, yeah, and even if you pick a mushroom out of the paddock, you know, you want to eat it while it's fresh. Uh, rather than going mushy, mushy. Mm. So these are grown in New South Wales. Um, now, like I said, I, I take the smaller ones home, but the big ones are good. You can put them in a soup. Normally what we do is we split them, cut them three ways down a long way, or you can cut them the size of a scallop. Oh. And um, 
what we do is we put olive oil and butter in a pan and, and flip them a few times. When you see this starting to change colour, just a drop of soy sauce. Yeah. No salt, no garlic, no nothing on their own beside a steak or even without a steak beside a heap of other veggies. Yeah. You know, you've got all the benefits of mushrooms, um, which is good for vegetarians as well. well. We're building up our meal here. We've got some rape on the side with a bit of chilli and garlic, a little bit of this. I like the idea of cutting it into like scallop. A crosswise, yes. Because yes. the only way I've ever done it is long ways, yes. and that's probably good because you're cutting against the fibres too, so that's going to be more tender in the mouth anyway, isn't it? Yes, yes. And they colour up like a scallop as well, and they look magic on the plate. Yeah. But you know, we're more into the flavour. So as long as you don't overcook them, because someone said to me yesterday, oh, they were rubbery last week. I said, well, you probably just cooked them that little bit too long. Wow. So don't forget they're in a pan. Stay with them. How ma- uh, what are these? Uh, 500 grams, 10 bucks. Yeah, that's only huge. only got four mushrooms in no, it. No, but that's, so that's huge. They I mean, are huge. That's going to feed three people, four oh, people for probably. For sure. Can you imagine them in a soup, though? You know, they'd, they'd really be nice. Is there a lot of flavour in them to give into the soup, or is it just the texture? Oh, I think a bit of both. bit of both. Okay. I'd say so. Because, right. you know, it's not a soup that you'd be boiling the bejeevas out of the mushrooms. You'd yeah. put them in... Um, in pretty late, so, mm. you know. In... Bloody hell, we've been speaking for 10 minutes already. Time yeah. flies when I'm with you, John. Um, let's um, look out across. So we look out, um, just to give you an idea, the suns are on our backs because um, here we are in eight shed, and John's got the, the lucky side. Got to, got to give him that. If we look across, it's mainly fruit that we see here. Yes, yeah, Stephen's uh, got beautiful fruit over there. So he's got lots of apples. Okay, that's good. They've, they've come out of the uh, cool room and all that. Um, there is a whole bunch of mandarins, it seems, and there seems to be more and more varieties of them coming out. Yeah, different varieties, different price, different flavour, different texture. Mm. Uh, so, and, and amount of seeds. Amount of seeds as well. There's nothing wrong with a mandarin that you pay two bucks a kilo for. All right, so don't be afraid and think that the more you pay, the better they are, because it's not. No. Yesterday, one of my customers was buying mandarins from Robert, and he's got mandarins $3 and mandarins $6. So Craig says, which one's the best? And Robert's got a big grin, the $6. (laughs) Come in, spinner. Yeah, That's very Robbie, isn't it? And and Craig, well, he'd make a good greengrocer too because he's got a good sense of humour and a quick retort. He says, yeah, look at this part. Sorry. Look at this guy. He's trying to rip me off again. So he tried one of the $6 ones. He said, oh, look, maybe I'll win some brownie points. And he bought some of them for his wife, and he bought some of the cheaper ones as well. So oh, you know, hedged his bed, did he? Yeah, yeah, because like I said, they're, they're all lovely and they're all different, so you've got to try them and find the one you like. Mm. Some people don't like the seeds. I enjoy um, uh, mandarins with the seeds because it reminds me of when I used to go to school. I'd walk out the door, fill my pockets with mandarins, and I'd be spitting them all the way down the street before I got to school. Yeah. And if I didn't get jumped um, and they'd steal all my mandarins, I'd be happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what used to happen around the corner. I had a, a bunch of mates there, and they always knew I had either an apple or a mandarin in my pocket, so they'd help themselves. Mm. But, yeah, and there's beautiful bananas. There's eco-bananas. They're cheap as well. Lots of pineapples. Lots of pines. There's two or three different varieties of pines. Yeah. Again, each one commands a different price. Yes. Uh, the dearer ones are normally the Hawaiian pines. What do they call them? There's um, rough and there's smooth. Yeah, and there's, there's rough, the there's smooth. Bethonga golds. Yeah, Bethonga golds yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we've been besieged with American fruit again. 
cherries, 22 bucks cheapest. There's um, some down there, 40 bucks a kilo. Don't have to buy them. Don't have to buy them. There's nectarines and peaches. Don't be fooled. They're not Australian. 16 bucks a kilo. Yeah, there's no there's no stone fruit in the middle of winter. Yes, um, but you know we can have um, beautiful pears. They've got brown pears, green mm. pears, Josephine pears. There's Cara oranges, which oh, we oh yeah. I saw someone's Instagram oh, this morning. What's what's a Cara orange? So Cara Cara. Oh, both. So good. Yeah. They said it twice. Um, uh, rose. Looks like a normal orange. Yeah. But when you cut it in half, it's pinky red, like a blood orange, but sweet. it's not a blood orange. It's sweet. As sweet, yes. Um, very good to make an orange salad with. You know, mm. you slice them um, uh, half a centimetre thick, put them on a plate nicely, and you drizzle a little bit of olive oil oh, and a little bit that. of sugar. Sometimes you can put a little bit of chilli on there too. Uh, and even if you put a salad onion in there too. Onion, Underneath? Yeah. They tell oh, me I'm good. weird, but you know. Hey. With a beautiful bread. Um, when you've had, um, say, a big lunch and you want to have a very light dinner or even an afternoon treat. It's amazing. Actually, that is a little trick I've learned from the Italians, that you've been eating and eating and eating, and it's like only Italians do, and then it's almost like a little bit of blessed relief uh, before the cannoli come out, of course. <laughs> uh, a little bit of sliced orange uh, just, to, just to go, ah, there we go. I think I'm, I can feel my legs again. Well, it helps the digestion as yeah. well. And um, also, you know, you get that vitamin C um, and the juice refreshes you up a bit. Better do pick of the market. Yeah. All right, pick of the market this week. Uh, Oh, look, cauliflower. I I was looking in the fridge this morning getting my lunchbox out and I saw that there was still some battered cauliflower. And actually, there's one sitting here. That's a nice one. Have a look at this. This is a huge head of cauliflower. Big, snowy Um, wide. Snowy and white, very tight. You get two or three meals out of that. Mm. And also, people forget that these beautiful lighter-coloured leaves, everybody rips them off and fries them away. When I was small and Dad used to come back with a big load of collies, a lot of the Greek customers would say, can I have all those baby leaves? The Italians eat them as well. What we do is we either cook them with the cauliflower or you blanch them, batter them or crumb them and fry them, and they're to die for. Mm. They maybe got more flavour than a collie. So I'm selling them 350. You can buy them cheaper around the market. If you want to use them sooner, buy cheaper. If you want them to live longer, buy a nice, big, heavy, fresh one. That's over, well, how many kilos is that? Uh, that's probably that's heading towards three kilo. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Far out. That is a big cauliflower. Okay, so, yeah. uh, so cauliflower is awesome. That. Beans, how much are they at the moment? Beans, so I'm selling that. 10. You can buy machine picked for five. Yeah. Um, got beautiful radicchio. People have been jumping on the radicchio. That goes um, well with the orange too. That goes well with the orange. Um, a lot of people have been saying that they've been out to dinner and a lot of the chefs have been putting it on a menu this week. What they do is they put it on a tray and sweat it under the grill and then um, serve it with a steak or even throw a hot steak on the raw radicchio, do it French style. Yep. Uh, and that's another thing that's good for you. It's what we call a bitter like the rapa. It's good for the gut, tastes good, looks good. I've had risotto like that. Where you, you fry, you just go, and you fry it hard, and then you chop it up, and then you add that to the risotto, to the rice, and you put a fair bit of red wine in the reduction. Yeah, yeah, anyway, very, very good. All right, um, gee, I better get back to the studio. We've been talking too long, but before I do, what's for dinner? Quick pasta tonight, Mm. because I've got to have an early night tomorrow. What shape? Um, Maybe penne tonight. We had... um, Fettuccine the other night. I actually, no, I copped ravioli on Friday night. That was my birthday. You made it? No, no, no. Okay, 
no. Okay, what's in so, the, what's in the pennant? Uh, just make a ragu with um, either oxtail or um, some other bones. We're not okay. like to use the bones. Get the flavour out into the sauce, yes. and that's it. And tomorrow we're making sausage. So it's a big day tomorrow. Whoa, I have to find out about that. All right, I'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks. John, thanks as always. See you later, mate. It's a pleasure as usual. That's right, folks, and uh, still here. We'll be starting um, quite shortly, but in the meantime, it is my great pleasure. There's all these sort of smoky flavours. Can you get that, Matt? Can yeah. you smell the smoke in here? Uh, Georgia, a very, very great and uh, wonderful welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Cam. Thank you very much for inviting me today. Giorgio Linquanti from uh, That's Amore Cheese. Um, I still remember the first day that I met you uh, many, many years ago. It would have been yeah, 2008. <laughs> well, it was, it was just I remember all the, all the people in the kitchen were just going crazy because Giorgio's here and look what he's got. <laughs> Um, I think, what was the restaurant? Sarti. Sarti, yes. Where Ricardo Mamesa was uh, looking after the back. And for some reason, I was in back of house just hanging out. At the time, I was still doing delivery myself. So production in the morning, early in the morning, and then the afternoon delivery. At the time, it was, I think, 6 o'clock, nearly nearly service time when you were uh, a Saturday night. And I was still going around and doing delivery myself. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what time it was. But, yeah, anyway, it was great that I saw you, but yours is a really, really interesting story. And first of all, leaving behind the old world, as so many of the Melbourneese have in the past, as so many, I mean, myself in a, in a funny sort of way did the same thing. But you came here in 2004. 2004 with two suitcases, one oh, with a few clothes inside, another one full of a dream. Yes, coming to Australia. Oh, that's like good. So many the suitcase people. full of dreams. Of course. And you pack them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah how to keep it there. <laughs> um, this was from Sicily, yeah? Yes. Yep. I come from Sicily and with no word of English, hmm. I approached straight away a job in a um, fruit shop the first year. Never well, make cheese before coming to Australia. Well, which fruit shop did you get a job? It was in Ben Morris. At the concourse in Ben Morris. Ben Morris? Yeah, beautiful place. It's a pretty waspy area, isn't it? <laughs> Very nice place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, that's it. The year after I moved to a cheese factory as a working experience, and uh, and this I approached the cheese world as a manufacturer. But what? Yes. What was it? How did this transition happening from saying, do you want to get some oranges with that to no, going? No, I moved move where I was working. I was working in, uh, I was living, sorry, where I was living in Morebin and mm. working by Morris and then I moved to Epping. Yeah, but why? What was the thing where you said, I am going to pull curd? No, this no, is no, no, the thing. No, no, no. Now, how did this happen, though? It happened because uh, I have to change job. Yeah. And so I found solution to a cheese factory. They were advertising to uh, an Italian um, newspaper, Il Globo. Il Globo. And so no, no talking English. I was just looking for the field where I was a little bit more comfortable. Hmm. And um, I found a job in this cheese factory. And, um, yeah, I was um, driving every morning 35 kilometers near Sunbury and going to work at this cheese factory. And take a patient. But the, the owner so was the very mysterious. It was Italian-style cheese factory, okay. so bocconcini, ricotta, mascarpone, mozzarella. Yes. And the owner was very mysterious. Every time I was asking something. Mysterious? Said, yeah. Why? Yeah, I probably was jealous about his secret. And, um, oh, so he didn't want you to find out how he made the cheese. Correct. Uh, one, of, one of those types. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. 
So I wrote a book about Jesus. I started experimenting at home, and this is my passion. Start to what was up. the first cheese you made at home? Uh, it was a little chili pecorino. Yeah. Fresh cheese, chili pecorino. I said to my wife, we wait about one week, and then we will try. And? Uh, and two hours after, it was already finished. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's set. Let's eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, the, so the first cheese was a success. Yeah, it was a, already um, interesting, very interesting. As far as I could see, there, and maybe there were small uh, amount of people making uh, fresh curd cheeses, but for a lot of us skippies, for a lot of Australians and Italians too, the only mozzarella cheese that used to be around was the hard, yellow, tasteless cheese. Cooking cheese. Because it, it, was, it, was yes. it was there just to melt and, and that, that was it. And lasagna, yes. That's why sometimes we, we try to launch in the past years a concept of a mozzarella bar. Hmm. We do not really much interest from the, from the public just because the word mozzarella in Australia mm, is uh, mostly for cheese for cooking, nothing interesting. The yellow hard so, mozzarella. Yes. Yeah. We, we tr we've been... <laughs> Uh, we've been educating the customer through um, demonstration and cheese making demonstration in all the different um, places from show to restaurants mm. to events where we're making the mozzarella live in front of the people we make them try the fresh bocconcini delicious warm and uh, gourmet very very gourmet and just that little bit of, of salt and curd coming together it, it's so it's simple and yet so profound, isn't it? Yes, very, very. And it's this, and it's, and I think Matt, when we look at it, you know, I see you've just mm. immediately went to write, so I thought I'd just <laughs> disrupt you. Um, it is, it is about those things. It's this taste, but it's also about that feel in the mouth. It is the yes. most beautiful thing. Very settled, where you can feel the creaminess, the saltiness, a little, mm. very delicate cheese, milky flavor, but all come together very well when it's especially so fresh. And uh, the gourmet mozzarella, the gourmet bocconcini we try to make and in the market in the last 11 years has been, um, has been having good, good success. Uh, people taking that with a very good response and come back to us with compliments and buy more and promoting us. And I think that's one of the uh, things that we see in this market, Melbourne. Uh, is that it's always expanding and people are always learning new things and are accepting of change and new things too. Have you found that? Absolutely. We've been putting on the market a new product since I started. My first product was a bocconcini flat called bocconcini leaf. Mm. And then we come out with burrata when we were the first people to make in burrata in Australia. And What's burrata? Burrata is a look like a little money bag made with some uh, curd of a bocconcini. Mm. And inside is a filled with cream and bocconcini strings all amalgamate together, look like a little money bag closer with a knot. And so the what's the idea of how you eat these? Ah, this you can eat. The best is with fresh tomato from the, from the garden in the summer, but in the winter you can put in the pumping soup or to whatever other things and start to melt. And this is a perfect season for that. Mm. Yes. After that, we come out with a lot of other cheeses. Every year we have a new, new head to the range. And the smoked cheese, we are very popular for a big range of smoked cheese, um, from the smoked bocconcini to the smoked uh, caciocavallo. And this is what you call scamorza. Scamorza fumicata. Oh, even better in a second. <laughs> Just took the ball and ran with it, even, even more beautiful. So, um, because this is, this is it. This is almost like a blank slate here that you have with the cheeses and they take 
smoke so beautifully, don't they? Yes, absolutely. Matching very well. And spe- especially if you uh, warm up these in your dishes, so let's say you can use a smoked bokunshin, um, toast it on the fry pan with olives or with a wild mushroom or on steak or something. Oh, so you can actually toss that in a, in a frying pan? It's not yeah, just going to go... Yeah. No, 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 fantastic. Actually, when you warm it up, the smoky flavor... Um, Increases. Absolutely, yeah. So what are you saying? One of these things would be good with olives? Black olives or green olives? I use black olives. Yeah, a black little olives. Tajaska, little olives. And maybe some rosemary? Yes. But what do you put with it? Sorry, I'm just going I my put, own I put thing. just olive. I'm very simple. Yeah, what are you doing that for? A little okay. bit of time. Italian, nearly the finger didn't come up. <laughs> Why are you putting rosemary with it? Yeah, okay, sorry. So what do you do? Tell us what you do so that I don't... Uh, the smoked bocconcini in particular. Yeah. I put uh, some olives in the fry pan and smoked bocconcini. And what happens normally, the olives... Are the How hot is the frying pan? No, it's hot. They start to... Is it sizzling? It's, oh, yeah. Oh, it's hot. Okay, right, okay. Sizzling, I just wanted to but find plus out. also the, the bokonji looks like they're alive. They start to popping like popcorn. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, they're moving. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a, a dish full of drama, but simple. Simple. It's like a good Sorry Italian. for the finger. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you... I was doing that. You didn't actually pull the, do the, the, the finger up. Uh, and so we see more and more of this around. Where do we find your cheeses? I have cheeses that you can find, first of all, in our cheese factory outlet in Thomastown, yes. 66 oh. Latitude Boulevard. Which I still haven't been to, and I apologize for that. Yeah, we have a daily cafe. Mm. Uh, we are cooking every day different dishes. The menu changing every day. Yes. Um, actually, also we do events. Next month, on the 14th of July, we will have the pig day out. A day Did you say the pig day out? Pig day out. Okay, yeah. Dedicated to porchetta and other pig products. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And uh, is also you can find in other gourmet deli and independent supermarket and the markets. Mm. Where is a gourmet? You find that somewhere. And also you're, uh, you've moved on to another Sicilian delicacy, the cannoli. The idea of the cannoli come out when we were trying to give it more value to the ricotta. Yes. Traditionally, the ricotta in Sicily, they're filled with the ricotta. Mm. Uh, sorry. The cannoli is well, filled with the ricotta. Well, there should be only one type of cannoli. When I came in Australia, the cannoli was uh, a sad pastry on this display. It was just very sad. Leave it there alone. Nobody was touching that. Yeah. And uh, we revived and uh, created a real, real trend in Melbourne presenting the cannoli with the ricotta. Do you put Nutella in it? Yes, so we do with Nutella, <sighs> but we, the base is still ricotta. Yep. Last we heading, we have a tiramisu, we adding coffee, uh, and whatever is the season. Uh, the moment, last week it was a mandarin, so Ooh. mandarin from the fresh mandarin added to the ricotta and sugar base. Gee, that'd be good. Very good. That'd so be really, lemon, really nice. Yes, yes, the ricotta, chocolate, the Nutella, and all others. Vegemite. Mm-hmm. For Australia Day, we were proposing, and we're still doing every year the ricotta with uh, ricotta, sugar, and Vegemite. Delicious. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I'll take your word for that one. <laughs> uh, Georgia, I trust you in so many things. Uh, one is the way that you've been able to bring fresh cheese to Melbourne and you've increased their awareness and their palates and their understanding of the Italian cucina. So for that, I salute you and all the work that you've done. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Giorgio Linguanti, I said, okay? Correct. Hey, not bad. Well, um, uh, thanks for not saying Linguini. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, no, that would have been a... Ow! Slap on the wrist. Um, that's brilliant. Uh, we've got cheese to take home, it seems, Matt. We've got a lot of cheese. We've got like a pizza box. And cannoli. Cheese is fantastic. And some cannoli. And some a lot cannoli. Of- Sorry, next time we'll bring some gelato.
<laughs> so uh, we won't be able to move. Uh, Georgia, thank you for coming in. It Thanks, is Cam. time Thanks, for Still Here. As we wave to the studio and say, we're good to go here. He's good to receive. And don't forget, next week, a two-hour special. Thanks to NADOC Week. Yes. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Same as always, Cam. Giorgio, an honour to Thanks, see you guy. in the studio. We're out of here. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.